What makes a great leader great? How do we create a high-performing team? And when we say leader, we mean everyone, because everyone is leading their own life. Will yours be a life by design or a life by default? Those are the big questions, and this podcast will answer them. Welcome to the Becoming Your Best podcast, where we help you apply the 12 principles of highly successful leaders, because great leaders will produce great results. Welcome to our Becoming Your Best podcast listeners, wherever you may be in the world today. This is your host, Steve Schallenberger, and we are thrilled to have you joining us. We have a very talented guest today. He is a founder and CEO of two Inc. 500 companies and was awarded Entrepreneur of the Year. Welcome, Harry Clark. Well, hi there, Steve. Glad to be here. (laughs) We're so excited to have you. He has a great deal of experience and a number of different aspects of business. He's going to share that with us in a bit. He is a highly awarded serial entrepreneur, business advisor, board member, keynote speaker on entrepreneurship. And he was formerly the CEO and co-founder of a modular design, build, and development company. He grew up from a startup to 100 million and 450 employees in five years. As you're going to see very quickly, Harry knows both sides, every side really of business, and this is going to be so fun for us to be able to talk about. So, Harry, first of all, tell us about your background. Where were you raised and any turning points in your life that have had a significant impact on you and especially on some of the things you've ended up doing? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I I was born in Rhode Island, uh, but pretty much raised in California, in Southern California. Went to university at Cal State Long Beach. Go Beach. Anyway, it's a university right, right on the beach. Enjoyed being a NCAA Division I wrestler, heavyweight wrestler, all through undergraduate and grad school, which definitely made a big impact on me. It definitely underscored competition and working really, really hard. Anyway, that was pretty exciting. Out of grad school, I, I got a MBA. I worked at Deloitte and Ernst & Young on the consulting side. That was just a fantastic experience. You basically get, in one year's experience, they're working there, you get about four or five years of normal experience. So it was fantastic. The manager that hired me out of grad school at Deloitte became a partner at a municipal finance firm. And he, he brought me over there. They made me a partnership offer. We, we didn't, couldn't quite settle on it. So I started my own company, and that was a municipal finance software and services firm. Grew it to be the largest in the U.S. And in about seven years, sold it to a Fortune 100 company for a, you know, a huge pile of cash which kind of set us up for life, if you will, financially, and then started the modular business that you talked about. Well, that's an awesome background, and thanks for sharing. Those are huge experiences that have had a big impact. Now, Harry and I had the opportunity to meet not long ago, just a few weeks ago, in Cape Town, South Africa. What a great place, isn't it, Harry? Oh, God, just beautiful. 
<laughs> it was amazing. And I had the opportunity to be in a workshop that Harry did, and that's really the genesis of this opportunity today. It was fun to meet him and his lovely spouse. So Harry, share with our listeners the business experience that led up to your book, Mistakes That Millionaires Make. And I might add for our listeners, these are just great principles for anyone. In another sense, it could be mistakes people make. But tell us about that, would you? Yeah, so the modular company that you had referred to, you know, after five years from a startup, literally there were five of us. We had 450 employees and 100 million in sales. We, we had bookings for 200 million for the next year. And by the way, this is in 2004. And so we're just growing. It's taking off like a rocket ship. So we went out to raise $20 million in private equity money. I had been funding it completely myself. We had five different offers for, for $20 million in equity for a 20% equity stake in the business. We selected one that said they could get us the money in 30 days. Everybody else was at 70 to 90 days. So I figured, okay, the sooner the better because of how fast we were growing. And literally, the day that we were set to close... The private equity member had basically thrown me over a barrel. And the way he did that is that the Friday before closing on Monday, he had his manager convince my CFO to blow out all of our remaining cash so that on Monday, when they put in the $20 million, you know, the payables would be caught up and lines of credit would be, uh, would be paid. But instead, what, what they did is the, the owner of the private equity firm called me and said, Harry, we're, we're set to close. We love your company. However, right now, you have no cash, which means you need us more than we need you. Because of that, we're going to want an 80% equity stake rather than the 20% that, that we've been talking about. Oh, my goodness. So he was obviously completely unethical and actually became a billionaire by being unethical. Anyhow, so I, I had said no to him, and it literally ended up making it so that the business went under because I had all sorts of personal guarantees. It dragged this, you know, well-funded beautiful estate that I had developed personally from my, the sale of my first business, I basically lost everything. So I lost $100 million in personal wealth. Wow, that's a big wow, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it was a bad year, let me tell you. <laughs> and upon some reflection, which you've obviously done, some serious lessons that you've been willing to share and learn about and one of the things that Harry shared with us were 19 risks for businesses, and I think it was eight risks for individuals that you ought to avoid completely. Do you mind talking a little bit about those? And if our listeners would like a copy of those with Harry's permission, you're welcome to write to us at support at becomingyourbest.com, and we'll be happy to send them to you, or you can write directly to Harry either way. Yeah, as a matter of fact, those two little slides were on a printout that I handed out at Cape Town, and I've since 
heard from a CEO of a large family business in Cape Town that he's laminated that page and it's on his wall in his office and he and his wife actually review it monthly. Oh, that's, uh, yeah, this is a cool sheet. I mean, it's yeah, time. I would definitely recommend for your listeners to, to do that. It's interesting because what, what I ended up doing, Steve, is I did recorded interviews with 30 other CEOs that had made and lost between 10 and $200 million. And then I correlated the risk factors, and that became the research that developed my book, Mistakes Millionaires Make. And that was the, the genesis of the 19 business risk factors. This is a comp- compilation, basically, of, of 30 very su- successful CEOs learning lessons or failures, if you will, It varies from, for example, a very common issue is that a CEO will have a CFO or a controller that listens to everything they say and does exactly what they want, when in actuality, the CEO should be really listening to their chief financial officer or accounting people to get warnings or red flags of, of things that you know they may be doing that are creating risk for the company. Also things like not having an advisory board, some insurance issues where, where to save expense, you forego errors and emissions insurance and other different types. A real big risk factor is also just overspending and also getting into too much debt. Another risk factor is Harvard had actually done a study that 80% of all acquisitions fail. That's pretty profound. (laughs) That means you only have about a 20% chance of getting an acquisition right. Another interesting result from that study is that two-thirds of the senior staff that are acquired through an acquisition are gone within two years. Oh my so goodness. all of that intellectual talent that and experience that you think you're buying is, is probably going to leave. Oh, that's just staggering, isn't it? No, oh, it is. Those it numbers? is. <laughs> and, and imagine how many billions of dollars are, are basically burned up through failed acquisitions. I mean, it's, it's, it happens every day. Wow. Talk about risk. It's, it's good to understand those numbers going into a acquisition or, or a sale, just so you know what you're up against. A couple of others that have just stood out for me is uh, avoid excess debt. And by the way, Steve, it's so easy when the debt markets are you know, super cheap, meaning interest rates are low and there's available capital, it's really easy to overburden your business with debt. Amen. And also you talked about guarantees. That's a big risk. And and being thoughtful about what things that you do put on your balance sheet so that you have some security in your life if things go south. Absolutely. Yeah. Even even having cash reserves. I mean, the best practice is to have up to a year's worth of expenses that, that is socked away in cash or some kind of cash equivalent. Harry, what would you say are the most common risk factors for entrepreneurs? The number one, for sure, is 
having personal guarantees. So that's when, if you're a business owner, sometimes investors, but normally business owners, they guarantee loans, leases, for example, construction companies, like in my case, bonding lines require personal guarantees. So it's having those personal guarantees, which at the end of the day, you don't have to have. It's just that it, for example, by signing a personal guarantee for a line of credit or a loan, you, you might save a little bit on interest, but you don't have to have it. So that's really the number one risk factor. Let's just pause on that for a second. So some of our entrepreneurs that are listening in, you know, they may feel like they have to give a personal guarantee. And so maybe there's a couple of aspects to that, Harry, that we can just explore a little bit further. Uh, How can someone structure their situation, say they have a home, but they don't want to put that at risk? And the banker says, well, you've got to, you know, we want your personal guarantee. What are some options? This is really very practical to talk about. Well, first of all, going to your your banker or whoever you have the personal guarantee with and telling them that it's your objective to, to remove all personal guarantees from your life or your liability and that you want to, you want to come up with a plan on how to do that. So that's step number one. Number that's two, good. if the bank or whoever the personal guarantee is with is saying, well, no, I'm sorry, you're not there. You just don't have enough, a strong enough balance sheet in the business. Then you, you would want to demand that certain assets are carved out or removed from the personal guarantee. So rather than just signing a open-ended personal guarantee saying everything is yours <laughs> in the worst case, you you carve out certain assets that are really important for you and your family from the personal guarantee. Okay, that's great advice. A couple of strategies that our listeners may consider in doing that, sometimes the business will have adequate assets, but the financier, whoever it may be, still wants a personal guarantee. And one thing that you may consider is putting your home either into a trust and you rent the home and pull it off of your balance sheet so it's all above board. The bank sees what's on your balance sheet, but your home is owned by another entity. And then you rent from it. So that's completely legal or it could be in the name of a spouse. So only in, and so there are different ways maybe to do that, right? Yes. However, you just be careful or cognizant of the fact, for, like in my case, there were LLCs or family limited partnerships that owned almost all of my real estate assets. But my wife and I owned 100% of all of those entities. Excellent. So, so through bankruptcy, in, in literally it took five minutes for, for the judge to roll up all of those assets into my personal bankruptcy. So if you're going to do it, you have, if you're going to do that, which I think is great, it's a great way to do it, you just have to do it thoughtfully and make sure that whoever is helping you, your advisor setting it up, are aware that they're to protect you against 
any creditor risk or bankruptcy risk. Excellent. Yeah, well done. Good cautions all the way through and good advice. Okay, you were continuing with other common risks for entrepreneurs. Actually, there's, there's one that gets back a little bit to the CFO issue, having a, a weak CFO. And that is the, the, that as entrepreneurs or, or investors even, and, and when I say entrepreneurs, it includes family businesses, that we are genetically over-optimistic. And, the, and, that's, and research has shown this. And it's that over at the end of the day, while personal guarantees are the number one immediate risk factor, it's over optimism that sets us up to say, oh, yeah, no, I can sign a personal guarantee (laughs) because my business will never fail. (laughs) And so understanding that and and. Optimism is great, right? I mean, it it makes it makes us, you know, exciting at parties and makes us friendly. <laughs> but but at the end of the day, it puts our family and our businesses, our employees at risk. So that's that's why you if you know that you're optimistic or overly optimistic, to surround yourself with people and advisors that help balance that so you can be more objective and make better informed decisions. Well, outstanding advice. You just took my next question is how do they temper the optimism and be as realistic so that they have a good balance? (laughs) Yeah, right. Well, you know, especially for your listeners that are CEOs or business owners, really a lot of times we, we feel like there's no one for us to be accountable to. So that, it, that's when it gets really difficult. Right. Well, I love your advice to have an advisory board. That's huge, isn't it? To be able to well, bounce things off people and get different perspectives. Absolutely. And, and, you know, the best advisory board is, is made up of members that, that challenge you, you know, that they don't just agree with you, <laughs> you know, right. that they, they actually challenge you and question things and, and make it a little bit uncomfortable, a little bit difficult. That's a really good advisor on an advisory board. What's your best advice, Harry, for individuals? to be financially sound, to try to eliminate the risks in their own life? Yeah, well, so this gets back to behavioral economics and and research that having cash or some kind of cash equivalents readily available is very, very important. And the reason why is that if you remember, you know, when we have the you know, financial crisis or, or other recessions and the stock market plummets, studies show that it's a human nature to pick up your phone and to ask your portfolio manager to liquidate, to sell. And, and what we found is that about 30% of, of investors' wealth are lost during those times when they just pick up the phone and say sell. Mm-hmm. So by having cash and, and up to a year's worth of, of cash or, again, some kind of cash equivalent, it makes it so you don't have to pick up that phone and say sell. 
And in so doing, statistically or historically, after a year, the stock market's back up to where it was. So, so just having that buffer is really, really important. Well, thanks for bringing that issue up, Harry. And some of our, maybe some of our listeners are at the front end of starting to develop a savings program. And I think what we would suggest to you is just start setting aside a percent of everything you earn for you. You're paying everybody else already, so pay yourself as well. Maybe a benchmark might be 10%, but just start. And it will have a big impact so that it helps you get, if you're not there today, where Harry is talking about, so that you're in that position, right? Yeah, that's great advice. Absolutely. And probably try to minimize credit card debt. I've seen the interest on those and and not today I'm not paying it, but I have in the past sometimes and it's huge. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. As a matter of fact, it's interesting that one one upside of this last recession that, that we've had is that it really it really got people to save, you know, or or to get in the habit of saving. And so, yes, I, I, I totally agree. Just setting, even, even if it's, you know, it doesn't matter if it's $100 a month or what have you, building up that muscle of learning how to save is, is really important. All right. So as we sit back now and getting towards the end of this interview today, what are final tips that you might offer an entrepreneur and final tips for somebody managing their personal finances? With regard to, you know, if you manage a business, innovation is, is going to be or continue to be a critical factor. And I always, I, I recommend businesses go to the Adobe Kickbox program and you just you can Google Adobe Kickbox. It's a free workshop that you can download and teach your, your team members how to innovate and basically make it make it so that all of your team members or employees are in, innovating week in and week out. And th- this is especially important, I think, for family businesses that, you know, can get a little bit stale. So I, I highly recommend that. And it's, you know, free. There's no charge for doing that. In terms of, you know, on the personal side, I think we've covered really the key ones, which is, you know, the personal guarantees and and trying to eliminate any personal guarantees, saving and not getting into debt. Yeah, perfect. Okay, well, that's great. Now, I've read Harry's book, Mistakes Millionaires Make, that contain the interviews, lessons learned from 30 successful entrepreneurs It's a treasure trove of insights and advice. So, Harry, how can people find out more about what you do? The book is available on Amazon. We, you know, we have it in digital. There's a hard copy and also in Audible. So no matter, you know, how you digest books, you can read it. It's a, you know, it's a very good read. I also have a a website. PathwayPartnersLLC.com. You know, you can learn a little bit more there. 
Well, you're a great resource, Harry. It's fun to visit with you. And today I've just been thinking about this as our listeners think about the 12 principles of highly successful leaders from becoming your best. We've certainly touched on lead with the vision. In other words, get out of debt, no personal guarantees. You start setting up these this vision of some of the safeguards for yourself to put you in a better position. We've also talked about Another one of the principles, which is innovate with your imagination. This is one of the key recommendations Harry just made, which is always staying ahead of the curve, both business-wise and individually. And then last of all is apply the power of knowledge. And that's what we're doing today. It's when you have these perspectives that we've been talking about, it has a tremendous impact on your behavior of getting to a better place. These all contribute to being highly successful ultimately in your life, becoming your best, which is a process. So thank you, Harry, for being part of this show today. My pleasure. And I loved reading your book, by the way. Oh, well, thank you so much. And this has been a really productive visit. It's been helpful for me. And we wish you, Harry, all the best as you're making a difference in the world. All right. Thank you. And you keep up what you're doing. Okay. It's great. Th- thank you. And to all of our listeners, never forget, you too can make a difference every single day. This is Steve Schallenberger with Becoming Your Best Global Leadership, wishing you a great day. Thank you for listening. Would you like help to apply the 12 principles of highly successful leaders in your life, in your family, or in your organization? Call us today at 888 690 8764 to speak with a helpful representative to evaluate your situation and how we can help. Or you can visit becomingyourbest.com. Whether it's a corporate training event, keynote, workshop, trainer certification, or personal coaching, it would be our pleasure to serve your needs. Once again, call 888-690-8764 or visit becomingyourbest.com today.